When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Big warm welcome to Stumps all across Australia. Tristan Fernanda back with you. And boy, don't we have a plethora of cricketing action to get through over the next little while. Uh, on the way, Shab Malik from the Pakistani cricket side to tell us about preparations for their big game tomorrow against Australia, the decisive game. As far as Pakistan's concerned, they lose that. They lose the series. So very much looking forward to catching up with him. Got a 30-year reunion of the 1987 World Cup side. So we'll reflect on that. Andy Ma from Channel 10's commentary team reflecting on an amazing day of women's big bash cricket. In fact, 24 hours of women's big bash cricket because it's gone down to the wire. And now the men are in action. Hobart playing host to Perth. A little later on, Melbourne Stars playing Sydney Sixers. Merv, if you've got a TV screen in front of you, you're watching the cricket. The better half's not all that happy, but uh, you're in your element. Good evening to you. Um, yeah, Tristan, you're all over it. In fact, I have got a TV screen in front of me and watching the cricket, and what a fantastic catch. A combined effort by the, the West Australian Scorchers, uh, George Bailey out, and Hurricanes in a bit of trouble at 4 for 68, but plenty to talk about. Uh, big bash, we've started on that. The women's big bash, you've said about that. The ODIs. Uh, the Test Cricket, Bangladesh v New Zealand and um, KP's criticising the Australian selectors and their procedures, which is an interesting one to me. Well, you've been in that, you've been in that position, Merv. What do you make of KP's take on this? Because I know there's been some frustration. The Stars have been heavily hit by the fact that uh, a number of players have uh, played international cricket for Australia, but it, it would border on absurd if they were expected to play a T20 the night before a one-day international. Well, that, that's the thing. They're, they've got a squad of 14 or 15, the Australian team, in Sydney. Um, the, Sixers are, are play, um, the Sixers are playing in Melbourne, aren't they? So they are. it's, it's very hard to release players to, to play the, the night before. What happens if um, on the eve of a game, or the morning of the game even, uh, the, the boys get there and someone tweaks a hamstring and they have to fly someone back to Sydney to jump into the Australian team to, to win it. So I, I think it's, um, it's probably a, a little bit of um, self... Um, it's just being selfish grat- about gratification. the situation. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a bit and- of self-gratification because he wants to, obviously they want their players available now. Hastings is out um, injured. We're going to talk to him a little bit later on. It'll be interesting to hear his take on it, but... Obviously, the Stars would be a little bit frustrated because of Maxwell, Faulkner, Zampa, um, also oh, Stoinis, mm-hmm. and there's one other, isn't there, um, that, that have been called out. So, oh, Hanscom. And the frust- oh, Hanscom, of course. And the frustrating part for the Stars is that there's a squad of 14 and a couple of them aren't playing. So it may very well be that Stoinis doesn't play tomorrow. And uh, KP's saying he should be right for the Stars. Well, that's not the case because if Faulkner gets a bit of a tweak in the, in the hamstring um, tomorrow before the game, then, then Stornis will play. So, you know, it's an interesting one. And maybe the, they haven't set their um, sights on the team tomorrow, the Aussies, um, because if they're using the, the used wickets, and we saw it where Australia lost in Melbourne, it's a very dry wicket. They may play the spinner's amper, so he comes into play. So, yeah, I think it's unwarranted criticism, and it's pretty self-gratifying, for for want of a better term, but um, just looking after the 
his and the Stars' own interest. The bigger question that has to be raised from those comments is the scheduling of the Big Bash. Do you schedule the one-day series after it? Do you make it this unique period where international cricket isn't played? And I'm not sure Cricket Australia has that luxury at the current point in time. Anyway, we'll move on, Merv. Melbourne Renegades will be cheering for the Melbourne Stars, amazingly, tonight. They They scraped home after... And the Scorchers. uh, Yeah, that too. And the Scorchers are on fire, pardon the pun, five for 72. (laughs) After 12 overs, they have the Hobart Hurricanes at. So they're in the box seat, you'd think, to knock Hobart out of contention. But last night, what about the brain fade from the Brisbane Heat pairing? Uh, they were For those who didn't see it, the, they, they were nine wickets down. A wide had been bowled, yet they s- tried to scurry through for a single, were run out, and as a result fell short. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff, but when you say brain fade, a lot of people have them, and uh, people that listened to this radio show last week would say that I had a huge brain fade when I was saying Travis Head was a left-arm bowler. Of course he's a right-arm bowler. I don't know where I, I got that from. but This is what uh, you had to say, Merv. For those left scratching their heads last week, <laughs> I was looking at you perplexed. Here's Merv Hughes on why Glenn Maxwell hadn't bowled against the Pakistanis. Head would have been bowling to the right-handers. Had there been left-handers in, Maxwell would have bowled because they like the ball coming into the pad spinning away so they can't hit your leg side. And if we have a look at it, there's normally a a short boundary at the Gabba. So it would have been um, into the, the, the short boundary. So, Merv, you sounded so convincing. That's why I I didn't challenge you. But then, look, I've I've been sitting there trying to figure that out. And the only thing I've come to grips (laughs) with is that I may have been getting mixed up with um, Nick Maddinson, who, of course, bowls left-handed. So I was all over the shop. But brain fades happen. But the bigger brain fade last night was from the Channel 10 on-ground commentator that um, had a talk to... One of the players at the end of the game, I, I don't know who it was, said, were you, were you expecting to bowl the extra ball um, after the wide? And I'm thinking, mate, the heat were all out. You don't have to bowl an extra ball if a team is all out. So there was a, a few brain fades going on in the last seven days, Tristan. Oh, that there certainly were, Merv. Uh, we'll hear from Aaron Finch now, renegade skipper, who I tell you would be breathing a sigh of relief. His uh, choice of bowler in the dying overs has been questioned over the course of the Big Bash. He scraped through with the win and now they're relying on results to make the finals. Here is the renegade skipper post-match. We're still in with a chance now. Obviously, we sit back and wait for some results tomorrow, but uh, you've got to be in it to win it. And, um, I mean, this was a good game of cricket, though. <laughs> uh, the last, so I think you said on the TV that you thought they had one left in the sheds? Or... Yeah, I thought they were eight down. I, I didn't even take into account that they were, they were nine down. So I was, um, I was telling the boys to get back. We're already over our time, and so I've got a warning now. Um, <laughs> Lucky it's my first one if, if we do manage to go through, but um, yeah, it's just yeah, it all happened pretty quick to be honest. What was the message for Rimo? You obviously had a couple of chats him. What, what was your instruction? Oh, just make sure he backs his skills 100%, make sure he's really clear with, with what he's trying to execute, and um, and yeah, he, he, he did a pretty good job, I thought. And tomorrow night, do you watch the games together? What do what the boys do? Yeah, I think we'll probably sit around, have a beer, and, and a feed, and, and watch the game and um, enjoy it as much as we can. and I mean, Barry for the stars, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever said that before? <laughs> yeah, you always want to see your mates do well, and uh, regardless of who they're playing for. So, um, even more so tomorrow night. You were seeing them pretty well out there. How, how do you think you went uh, sort of in the middle? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, we got off to a good start. I think 75 after the first six was our best power play. Um, I mean, it was a beautiful wicket. Uh, started to slow up once they, once they started bowling into the wicket a bit more. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great wicket for, for a T20 game. It sounds like you've had some nice things with Nev, but he might be a chance. Uh, that'll be something we monitor. I think he's having some more scans uh, over okay. the next day or two, so uh, we'll see how, he, how he is. I think it's still pretty pretty blown up, so um, probably doubtful, if, if we're being honest, um, if we do manage to get through, but just have to wait and see. So what about the young fella who replaced him today? Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Nice to get a catch out of the way in the in seventh ball of the innings. I think uh, that would have relieved his nerves a little bit, but he did a fantastic job and uh, unfortunately didn't didn't get a hit because he can he can clear the ropes, which is um, which is handy. Uh, great start by the hate. Pereira, they really crucial to peg him back. Yeah. Six over. Yeah, yeah, he was unbelievable. I think um, the way Baz was swinging, he wasn't leaving anything in the shed. We know that he can do that. I've seen him do it a lot of times. So. Um, Oh, I mean, they, you know they come hard, and, and you've got to back your back your skills and, and execute your skills. And 
and we managed to claw our way back into a really good position there, 16 off the last, and um, yeah, to get over the line was fantastic. The results got to your way tomorrow, and do you have a lot of confidence that you can lift the and win the whole thing? I mean, you've just come off two, two pretty impressive wins. Is it, are you going in in the right form? Oh, absolutely. Um, but we've got to make it yet. I mean, we've, we've put ourselves in this position by having to rely on results through no no, other, no one else's fault but our own. We've, we've, um, we've mis-executed at times, and, and it's cost us one or two close ones that uh, otherwise could have had a sitting pretty. And Max Harris, his last two games, he's hitting it pretty clean as well. Yeah, he's hitting it beautifully. I mean, he's, he's a good striker of the ball. He's, he's, a, he's a good player, which uh, he plays proper cricket shot so um, yeah, he's, he's banging him which is nice That's nice last week about the potential for a Melbourne Derby so it was way too late I think now that it's one result away I mean how, how massive would it be if, if the cards do fall the right way tomorrow We'll see you on Saturday night <laughs> Keeping cards close to his chest, one part of the equation is going well if you are a Renegades fan, and that's because Perth has Hobart at 5 for 84. 5 for 84. Hobart in a bit of strife down at Blunston Arena, and a little bit later on, they'll be relying on the Melbourne Stars to defeat the Sydney Sixers. Still a heap to come on Stumps right across Australia. Merv Hughes is here with Tristan Fernanda, cricketing royalty, to join us up next as Steve Waugh reflects on the 1987 World Cup final. Listening to Stumps. And great to have your company on this Saturday afternoon. Hobart Hurricanes, 6 for 89. So Perth well and truly on top. More on the Big Bash a little bit later because, Merv, we are now joined by Cricketing Royalty. We are grateful for his time as the men assemble, the men who are in the 1987 World Cup squad to reflect on Australia's first World Cup win. I imagine for you it's uh, hard to believe it's 30 years ago, but it is a warm welcome to former Australian skipper Steve Waugh. Steve, a very big welcome to you and thanks for your time. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Can you believe uh, it's 30 years ago? And what are your <laughs> recollections of that uh, that monumental day at Eden Gardens? Yeah, no, I certainly can't uh, believe it's 30 years. When I got the invitation, it just sort of really hit me that uh, it, was, it's, it seems not that long ago, but 30 years is, is quite a long time. But, yeah, look, it was really the catalyst for us Australian cricket that turned things around. We had difficult times in the mid-'80s. Uh, we had that uh, Rebel Tour to South Africa and lost Lily Chaplin Marsh, and we really needed something to kickstart um, Australian cricket. And... Uh, Winning in, in in India and in tough conditions, I think we're rank outsiders going into that tournament. Then to to win in front of 100,000 plus people at Eden Gardens in Calcutta, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the highlights of my career, and we'll never forget that day. Uh, we won't. We took the World Cup. Well, it was a huge crowd. Tugger, how are you, Mervyn Hughes? A huge good, crowd, as you said. There's about 250,000 people at the ground. <laughs> Is that the biggest crowd that you've ever played in front of, and, and the most vocal? Yeah, it probably would be. And the, the great thing about that was they're on our side because uh, we'd beaten. Uh, India's arch rival Pakistan in the semi-final and uh, England had beaten India, so all of a sudden we had 100,000 spectators going for Australia, so it felt like a home match uh, in Calcutta, which is a really weird experience, but it was um, it probably gave us a bit of an edge. We only went up winning by seven runs, so I think it played a fair fair part in the result, but um, yeah, the noise, the atmosphere, it was, um, you know, everyone was nervous, apprehensive before the start of play, because it's such a big game, and for Australian cricket, we knew it was, was pretty... Um, a pretty massive event, so uh, but once we got into the game, we settled pretty well, and uh, it, was, it was a close game all the way through. Well, the, the couple of things that I can remember from it, just get your thoughts on, was uh, the Mike Gadding dismissal was an interesting yep. one at the time. Yeah. Oh, look, it was certainly the turning point, and that's one of the first times we'd seen the reverse sweep, and uh, to be fair to England, they played it really well in the semi-final in Bombay, they, they Grant Gooch and got 100 there, and they reverse swept everything, so it wasn't sort of totally surprising, but... Um, I think for Gadding, he was a bit unlucky. It was the first ball of Adam Allen Ball to spell, and he bowled a, a probably a pretty ordinary delivery, which would have been a foot down the leg side, which <laughs> made the reverse sweep a tough shot. And then he, he actually hit it okay, but he hit it straight into his shoulder and it popped up. And I was at point, so I was pretty close to the action. I sort of just lob in the air, and Greg Dyer was, was on the spot. And that was um, it was just the impetus we needed to turn things around, because at that, that, that stage, England were probably favourites to win the match. And roll the clock on just a little bit. As you said, you run by won by seven runs. But the last ball of the game, I can vividly remember watching on TV. I reckon Jeff Marsh pleading with Craig McDermott not to <laughs> not to bowl a no ball or a wide, I suppose. And yeah. McDermott just brushing him away. Yeah, no, that's probably right. Yeah, look, at, uh, lots of things happen in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment. But yeah, Swampy was sort of... We switched on to what, what was needed, and uh, I guess you know, Craig McDermott knew what was happening and probably just said, get away, mate, I'm OK. But um, I think it was probably good that Jeff Marsh did that because there was 
obviously the only way we could lose the game. And um, it, uh, yeah, there's so many fond memories, but it's, it's amazing from the game that there's very little footage and it's hard to sort of see any action. But um, yeah, that was uh, something that stuck in my mind. And also Mike Valletta's batting, I think, was the unsung hero in that final. He was the first guy that really started moving around the crease and improvising. He got a really good 45, so he was probably the, the guy that didn't get many mentions. They're 45 of not too many balls. Now, probably the last question before we get let you go, because mm. uh, the dinner starts in about five minutes. Yeah. So I really appreciate yeah. your st- no time, worries. Steve, for that. Now, are you guys going to celebrate as hard tonight as you did after that World Cup win? <laughs> yeah, look, I can't remember what we did too much. There wasn't many beers <laughs> around the change room, but we did have a good celebration afterwards at the official function. Uh, and we sort of took that uh, by the scruff of the neck, and uh, there was a lot of officials looking, stra- gave me a strange glance, because we, we did the team song, which was... Simon O'Donnell, I think it was Billy Dabihiro, so we did a karaoke on the stage at the World Cup in front of all the Indian officials, and I don't think it was ever done before or since, and it was sort of, uh, we just sort of took control of the stage, and yeah, we had a big night, so uh, look, at, uh, we're probably a bit past those, those glory days, but we'll have a couple of drinks tonight for sure. Uh, but you'll have a go anyway. Uh, Steve Waugh, thank you very much for joining no worries, us on mate. Stumps. Um, got you at no short problem. notice. Uh, head in and have a great night. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Cheers, guys. Steve Ward joining us. Uh, really great uh, of Steve to join us such, at such short notice. And I'll tell you one thing's for certain, Merv, they're going to pull up a whole lot worse than they did 30 years ago. Oh, mate, if they have a crack, they will. Don't worry about that. And, you know, what, as you say, 30 years has rolled on like that, but it's amazing. Um, and I suppose you... you probably weren't even born then Tristan but it's amazing what I can remember and I wasn't even part of it just seeing and we didn't have the coverage as we do now on the TV so just seeing sort of snippets of the game and I can vividly remember sort of watching different parts of the game and seeing the highlights but that last ball uh, McDermott's just about to run in and bowl and as Steve said they one by seven runs and Jeff Marsh just pleading with him not to bowl a wide or no ball because um, McDermott was really wicket orientated and he probably knew that he was going to be really striving to take a wicket and see so if you had a bowl to no ball or a wide in that situation which, which he didn't obviously um, it, <laughs> it could have been ugly scenes Fantastic memories for those who witnessed it uh, Merv tell us what it's like bowling at the death because we're going to talk to John Hastings a little later about the need for variation as a, a pace bowler but how much pressure do you feel and what's going through your head? Um, well, basically, just don't get hit for four. So you've got your field, and you know whether you're, you're batting first, um, or sorry, whether you're bowling first, and, and the batting side setting a, a total. Obviously, you want to keep it to as little as possible. But um, conversely, when you're bowling second, and you've only you know you've got a certain amount of runs to play with, and there, if it's six and over, seven and over in a one day game, there, there is quite a lot of pressure on you. So basically, it's just executing. It's um, You've spoken about the plans to the batsman. You've spoken about the field to your captain, where the batsman um, wants to hit the ball. So you stay obviously stay away from his strength and try and bowl to his weakness and, and set fields for that. And gee, playing at the MCG was a tough one because you'd have blokes on the boundary. And because it's such a big ground, um, the twos came into it. So it was really, really hard to uh, contain a team. But, um, yeah... Pressure, pressure all around for the bowlers. Um, one day cricket, 2020 cricket, easy game for the batsman, my friend, but uh, the pressure's <laughs> on the bowlers. Still a heap to come on stumps. Very much looking forward to catching up with Shoaib Malik on the other side of this, of the yes. Pakistan squad. And you'd think he'd be favoured by the conditions in Sydney, so it'll be interesting to see the makeup of their side. Their batting performances haven't been too bad since that opening one day up in Brisbane. In the Big Bash action, Merv, Hobart, 6 for 96 after 16.3 as they just whip one through mid-wicket. Wells on strike to Mitch Johnson. Rose is on four. Johnson has two for 14. So, look, you never know. With a late flurry, they might get up to 140 or something like that, but they've got all the work to do. A break here on Stumps. Still plenty more to come on the other side of this. Stumps. 
As always, great to have your company here on Stumps. A very good evening to those of you joining us for the very first time as the Big Bash reaches a thrilling climax. We're going to discuss the Women's Big Bash, an eventful 24 hours with Andy Marr. In about 15 minutes' time in the game underway at present, 6 for 108, the Hobart Hurricanes batting first against the Hobart Scor- uh, against the Perth Scorchers, and a little later on, Melbourne Stars host the Sydney Sixers. Tristan Fernanda, my name. Mervyn Hughes is back for all the fun and frivolity with John Hastings to join us after 6 o'clock Eastern. And Merv, we're going to kick off this half an hour with a very special guest, a former captain of Pakistan. The series has been evenly fought so far. The Aussies have their noses in front ahead of a big encounter in Sydney. So it's uh, my great pleasure to welcome Shoaib Malik to Stumps. And Shoaib, uh, coming off such a strong win in Melbourne, you started well in Perth. You, you seem to lose your way a little bit with the bat. Where do you think things went awry for you? Hi. Uh, I think uh, playing so well um, for the first uh, 40 to 45 overs, I think we were thinking about scoring 300 runs. We couldn't capital, uh, capitalize uh, the last five overs. We lost uh, Babur Azam and uh, Umar Akmal in those uh, areas. So I think that's why we struggled in the last five overs. That's where I think, uh, and uh, we all know that Perth pitch uh, has a lot of bounce, and obviously it was a day game. And if you're batting second, 265 against a quality batting lineup, it's not easy. So that so, was the time where we, uh, I think, we couldn't capitalize the last five overs. Show up, Mervyn Hughes. Hope you hope you're doing well, and you would have gained a, a great deal of confidence. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. Would have gained a great deal of confidence from the women win in Melbourne, especially with the fine bowling performance to restrict to Australia to a small total of only 220. What did you learn about where Australia might be vulnerable going forward in this series? I think if you're playing against Australia and Australia, the, the key is to keep taking wickets. If you keep taking wickets, that's how you can restrict them uh, to to 250 and 250 uh, is very much uh, gettable and uh, that was our goal and uh, that that is what I did that is what we did uh, during the Melbourne game uh, we bowled really well and we knew that if we keep taking uh, uh, wickets that's how we can restrict them and I think wherever you're playing against Australia they're they, they play with a very positive approach and that is they they take you on. They take uh, they take on all the bowlers, and I think for us is to keep taking uh, wickets is the key uh, to restrict them. Well, you come off that Melbourne game, um, a dry wicket there uh, probably would have suited you a little bit game a little bit more. You've gone over to Perth, as you said, a bouncy wicket there. The SCG wicket is known to be kind to the spin bowlers. Will you think about playing an extra spinner um, in the, in tomorrow's game? Uh, if you look at our side, I think uh, from my point of view, it's quite balanced side. And uh, I would say we are already playing with three spinners, even though two two are like all-rounders and we're playing with the one genuine left-arm spinner, Imad Vaseem. But uh, uh, looking at the pitch, uh, I haven't seen it because I didn't go for the practice. Uh, but yes, uh, what uh, the previous uh, uh, conversations or whoever have seen the pitch they always talk about that it has the spinners, but yes, it is entirely up to the um, team management what they're thinking about it. But yes, uh, uh, I think if it it is spinning wicket, that can be a good option. Be a great option. Um, you've got that up your sleeve anyway. Now, I've got to ask you about Mohamed Amir. He, he obviously missed those couple of years, but he's come back. He, he's looking better and better with each performance, performing very well in the tests and now in the one day. He's a very talented bowler. How has he been since his return? And given he's only 24 years old at the moment, how important is he to your team going forward? Well, Mohamed Amir, we all know he's uh, he's an exceptional talent, and uh, the way he's conducting himself uh, playing international cricket since his comeback, he's putting uh, all the efforts and he's performing everywhere, and he's getting better day by day. And I think the age is on his side. He's just 24 years old and he's improving every day. And this is what uh, I think. If we have uh, like two more, two, two to three more bowlers like him, we we can uh, we can win even abroad, uh, outside UAE also. Uh, but yes, uh, having Mohammed Amir in your team is something uh, uh, 
cannot be described uh, in words. Very, very lucky to be talking to Shoaib Malik, uh, the Pakistani all-rounder. And despite your disappointing performance with the bat at, in Brisbane, your batting has looked pretty good. Do you feel comfortable now that you're playing in it, or in playing in the Australian conditions? Well, yes. If you look at our batting lineup, even though we played a real bouncy track in uh, uh, Perth, we, but we still uh, scored like 233 runs, uh, 263 runs, and I think. Uh, Batsmen are responding, and uh, it's just that we need the performance should come in all three departments to beat a uh, best team, uh, especially when you're playing in their home conditions. So I think we see a lot of glimpses, but it's coming from like bowling or betting or fielding. But those uh, the the glimpses glimpses should come in all three uh, departments. That's how you win a game, and that's where we are struggling a bit. But we have been talking about it. We had uh, quite a few meetings, uh, how we can uh, control things, and uh, I'm sure we will come up with uh, good performances in the last two games. And, Shell, the last one for me before I hand you back to, to Tristan, um, it must be great to have so much support on this tour away from home. Um, how much have you enjoyed this trip? Obviously, you don't get to play at home, and that game at the MCG seemed to me like a Pakistani home game. So has that... Has that um, kept you up and about has it kept the team up and about well being in australia it's uh it's something you always learn and uh, i think uh crowds being exceptional uh we we've got all the support even from uh, aussie crowd and i think i would like to thank them and uh yes uh being in australia you always learn when you go back play anywhere in the world you you gain a lot of confidence from australian tour and i think we all uh we all are very happy uh, from the tour and uh, from the crowd uh, pr- prospect uh, as well. Which is great to hear. And on the horizon, the series with the West Indies. So this one should hold you in good stead. Final question from me, Shob. We are grateful for your time. You'll obviously go in with confidence tomorrow that you can square the ledger in this series. Uh, do you have a philosophy either way as to whether you'd prefer batting first or bowling first, given we've seen the tendency in short-form cricket for sides to want to chase? Yeah, but obviously if you're playing a day, day-night game, uh, whoever bats first has a little extra, slightly extra edge. Uh, but obviously the toss is not in your control. But yes, the rest of the things are in your control. That is bowling, betting and fielding. And that's where uh, I think we have to put up a good show. And uh, yes, we're looking forward uh, for this Sydney game. Shab, good to catch up. Uh, we do thank you for your time. Have a great evening in Sydney and we wish you well, uh, not only tomorrow, but in the final game of the series over in Adelaide. Thank you so much. Take care. Sure, Shab. Thank Shab, you very Shab, much. Shab Malik there, Merv, and a, a good chat. Yeah, it's a great chat and a good insight into the, the Pakistani setup. And uh, listen, he didn't play the first game. Um, he wasn't here for the test matches, so he joined for the one days. Didn't play the first game in Brisbane. In Melbourne, made 42 and took one for 15 off four overs on a, on a dry wicket that would suit the spinners. In Perth, made 39, got none for 18 off two overs. And as he said, it was a little bit quicker and suited the fast bowlers more. So I'm sure that the Sydney deck, especially if Pakistan bat first, um, the conditions up there would suit him. It's amazing, Merv, because so many people that you run into say they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde, but if they put it together, they can be so very dangerous. Their pace attack is a formidable one at its best. They can score runs quickly. It's just in Perth, as Shoah pointed out, they just plateaued at uh, a really poor time, which meant they couldn't get up to 280 and beyond. Well, the other thing about that too, when, when Australia were chasing, they were two for 45 and Hanscom gets dropped or gets caught on a no ball. And um, they, they could have been three for 40 and, and in a real lot of trouble, but uh, they, they had their chances. Hanscom got dropped on 14 as well, so they had another chance there. And I think their Jekyll and Hyde performance is, is based on whether they hold their catches or not. And they're not renowned to be a great fielding side. Um, so I think people just, when they drop catches, oh, that's just the Pakistanis, but gee, weren't they poor? If the Australians drop catches, that's all they talk about. So to be honest, the Pakistani team aren't that far away. Um, they're a good batting side, and if they get the opportunity to, to bat first in, in Sydney, and I'm tipping it's going to be a sort of drier wicket. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a rehashed wicket from either the Test or the Big Bash games that have been going on. If they bat first, they'll be very hard to beat.
A big bash update. Six for 134, the Hobart Hurricanes. 19.5 overs or... No, the 20 overs have elapsed. Six for 134, which Merv, given where they are at, is a reasonably competitive total. Um, you, you might think it's reasonably competitive, but I think the Scorchers should, should do this in a, in a canter. Um, Rose, just, uh, Rose was, was very good there um, at the end of the innings, and also Wells. And I must admit, I didn't think they had any hitting ability, and then Rose just went bang and hit one down the ground for six, and you think, well, he does hit them all right. But I think they're going to be about uh, 20 or 30 runs shy, and I'd be surprised if the Scorchers don't get these in about the, the 16th or 17th over. Yeah, I think you're probably, probably right. Mm. It was more coming from the perspective. They're about six for 80 at one stage, and yes. they, they looked on the rope. So at least they've got some sort of total to defend. Uh, we've spoken yes. about the Pakistani landscape. Let's have a listen to Pete Hanscom after his, uh, well, interesting performance with the bat. He uh, had a few nervy moments, but then he consolidated uh, all the missed opportunities for the Pakistan side, and he talked about the importance of hard work. I've been, um, I've been working really hard to get everything, um, everything going to, to this point, um, so that when I do get the opportunity, I'll try and grab it with both hands. Um, obviously, today was was very lucky initially being uh, caught off a no ball um, and then dropped a backward point, although I think uh, it shows on the replay that that was a no ball as well. So I actually missed out on a free hit there, which was a bit disappointing. Um, and then obviously from there, I was actually able to play my own game and go about it the way I normally do, which was which was good and put my head down and bat, bat with uh, Steve. Um, and obviously it's awesome batting with him. and. Um, you know, I would have thought he'd be in here at the moment. Obviously, he just made uh, made an amazing hundred, not out, and, and practically won us the game. So it was great just batting with him and seeing seeing how he goes about it. Do you see a place for yourself in that middle order of the one-day team going forward? Uh, well, hopefully. I mean, there's there's quality players uh, in the country, and I'm only in this position because a couple of them got injured. So um, you know, if they'd been fit, I wouldn't have been been here, and, and this opportunity wouldn't have occurred. So. Uh, in that sense, I've been very lucky as well. Um, but you know, Australian cricket's got an amazing, um, amazing talent pool. Um, so if I, if I keep getting an opportunity in the middle order in the one-day team, then then it'd be great. Um, and I'll do everything I can to make sure the team wins. But if I don't, I understand because there's quality players out there. Did you feel like you had a point to prove in 50-over cricket? There was some criticism that for your, your domestic record wasn't that flash. Feel like you really had a, a bit of a point to prove today? Um, not really. I've I felt good throughout the throughout the entire summer, and I know that if I came out today and just uh, tried to play the way the team wanted me to play, um, then that's all I could do. And, and I wasn't too worried about what had happened previous years. Um, I understand that my my, uh, my one day record in, in domestic cricket isn't great, but um, you know to come out here and just do everything that the team team needs that was my only job today and it was it was great to be able to do it just further to that when a lot of people view you they probably view you more as a, a longer format player they think your skill set's better suited to that what is it about the shorter form that you think your game can kind of adapt to that too um yeah i guess i just need to be able to uh, find a way to score off more balls um in the longer format you can let a lot go you can really wait until the ball's in your zone to hit um, whereas here you, see, you need to start fabricating a few shots and, and making making a few things up, which um, you know I'm working on and obviously trying to score uh, quicker. But I've got to let my own game develop in the way that uh, that, that will let that happen. Um, and I watch guys like Steve Smith, um, David Warner, Glenn Maxwell, all these guys that can go out there and score fast. Um, so I'll try and learn off them, see how they go about it. Pete Hanscom speaking after his 82 on debut in the one-day international side. And as we said, Merv, there were a few nervy moments and uh, Pakistan would be pulling their hair out, the fact that they could have had Australia in a, a really vulnerable position. But in the end, he came, he saw, he delivered. Well, he did. He's been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? Um, got his opportunity with the test. He grabbed hold of that now in the one days. And, and he said himself he's got there through injuries to Mitch Marsh and, and Chris Lynn. But 
if, if we look back to the Matador Cup, I'm pretty sure he had a good Matador Cup, so he wouldn't have been far off the pace. And just for him to come in and show that maturity under pressure, yes, he got caught off a no ball, yes, he got dropped, um, and then just to settle himself and, and put that huge partnership together with Steve Smith, he's, he's done well. So, you know, the, the world is his oyster. Um, going forward, he's got years on his side. He's proved he can play the, the one-day game, albeit he's, he's only played the one game. I'd like to see him... Um, chasing runs in Sydney um, and, and that will give us a real idea about how how the Australian sides and Pete Hanscom himself will, will go in India. Why do you think people like Pete Hanscom struggle slightly from the longer format to the shorter form? I mean Michael Slater was a prime example during my childhood. He seemed so attacking in the test arena yet really couldn't convert it in the one day internationals. Do you put that down to anything in particular? Yeah, I think it comes down to... Um, pressure you put on yourself i think um what what slats did was thought that he had to go out and 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 play more aggressively where he's an aggressive batsman anyway um saywag from india um was the perfect one he batted the same in in one days and tests he just hit boundaries and i think slats mindset was that he's got to be more aggressive where in fact all slats had to do was was bat time if he batted 20 30 Overs, he's going to get close to 100 anyway and get the Australians off to a good start. And we saw Adam Gilchrist, uh, very much the same, opening for Australia, batting in test cricket, get himself in and then just hit the bad balls. And when you talk of all these guys that are, are successful in all forms of their game, the thing that they've got in common is they've got great defence. They can mm-hmm. keep the good ball out to hit the bad ball, and certainly Peter Hanscom's got that. A break here on Stumps, Merv. On the other side of it, we're going to hear from Stephen O'Keefe, an interesting initiative by Australia to doctor a pitch so as to replicate the Indian conditions. We've seen it done in tennis, whereby Tennis Australia has adopted the, the clay courts to try and give our players the edge. We're now doing it in the world of cricket. Look forward to hearing from Stephen O'Keefe next. Listening to Stumps. As always, nice to have you with us. Tristan Fernanda with Merv Hughes and Perth Scorchers about to head into bat after restricting Hobart to 6 434. A little later, the Stars host the Sixers. As we said prior to the break, at the Centre of Excellence, they've created a pitch that replicates Indian conditions. Up there, Matt Renshaw and Stephen O'Keefe, uh, amongst others, are preparing avidly ahead of this upcoming India tour. Here's what Stephen O'Keefe had to say about his preparation. Yeah, I think it's quite good. It does feel a bit like the last time I was in India was Chennai, where it was quite humid like this. It had sort of the red red soil. So, I mean, I, this is playing plenty of tricks this weekend, but I think um, in, in a you know, general sense, I think we can get a lot out of it because it reacts differently um, and a little bit more like India with your one rolling and kicking and spitting. So, um, you know, Matt and myself are getting plenty out of it, that's for certain. How did and you rate Monty as well, the third ingredient? So that's all going pretty well. Yeah, great fellow, Monty. Um, you know, he's got... He's got a recipe that works over there in India, and um, you know he's a, he's a top fella to work with and speak to. So I'm just sort of racking his brain in regards to how he bowls and how he went about um, playing over there. Um, and yeah, I mean he's pretty open and, and knowledgeable, so it's good to be able to share that experience with him. How was Matt finding it out there, mate? Good, yeah. I mean, as we've seen him on the on the world stage, international stage now, he, he tends to adapt pretty quickly. Um, and I've sort of seen him progress through his first few games of first class cricket, where he. He whacked us all around the park and made 180. Um, you know, that was the second time we played him. He learnt from that, hit 100 the next time, and then, you know, the next time I see him, he's hitting 100s for Australia. So the thing I like about him, he's, he's, he's a pretty no-fuss, no-frills cricketer, but uh, learns on his feet um, and already fitting in and feels quite comfortable playing for Australia. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a big ingredient um, for a young bloke who's going to travel to India. And you said the learning part, you were very sort of vocal with him out there. He, he is taking it all on board, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's... Um, He's a sponge, you know. He's, uh, you know, he's pretty quiet off the field. Um, you know, a bit quirky at times, but in the in the cricketing sense, he's, um, you know, he's developing skills. That, you know, as a 20-year-old, that 30-year-olds would love to have. You know, he's got shots all around the park. He sweeps really well. Um, we've seen how disciplined he can be against the new ball. So, um, you know, he's he's showing a lot of class for a young young man. Do you think that sweep will be critical over there? Yeah, I have no doubt. I think the guys who do back themselves to play it will have plenty of success. And I, I don't think the Indian spinners will will like Australian batters sweeping and sweeping well, as we don't, as I don't like Indian batters sleep, sweeping and sweeping well. So um, if we've got guys who are confident in playing it, then, you know, go for it. And I think Matt's 
you know, he's played a fair bit of the sweep when I've played against him in Australia. Um, so I hope he hope he backs his skill set. As, as a spinner, how hard is it going to be to get rid of the likes of Coley in these points? Yeah. Oh, look, it's you know, it's it's a daunting task. But um, in saying that, I think there, there there is cracks in their wall. You know, they're not infallible. Uh, and if we're playing on wickets that are spinning, and and um, you know, straightening, and you're, you're trying to beat both sides of the bat, and you're staying positive. Yeah, you can, you know, it's shown in the past that you can get wickets, um, you know, by using the same sort of recipe, attacking the stumps, changing your pace, um, and, and you know, trying to hit the top of off stump. Keep it that simple, and I think, you know, even the best players in the world will, may find it hard on wickets that are, that are playing a few tricks. We Steve. might leave Stephen O'Keefe there. So, Merv, your take on what awaits the Aussies in this upcoming tour. It's good to hear that Renshaw's adapting, he's playing the sweep, and that someone like O'Keefe has a an opportunity to acclimatise, if you like, in the lead-up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that they're doing this. I think Matthew Hayden um, started doing this before he went to India. He sort of thought his weakness was against spin. He was pretty comfortable against pace on um, faster wickets. And he went to India, and I can recall that he had the curator at Allen Borderfield up in, in Brisbane um, peel out some dry wickets, and he had different spin bowlers bowling to him to practice his sweep shot to to understand the length that the ball needed to be, the pace the ball needed to be. So I think it's common sense. But off Steve O'Keefe, there has been some question his selection in the Australian team. He's been injured. He's now been rested from the Big Bash. So the Sixers miss out on him. Um, Some are are concerned that John Holland may have gone. But I'll just go back to that Sri Lankan tour last year. In the first Test match, we bowled Sri Lanka out for 120. I think he got about three or four wickets, Steve. Australia made 220. We had Sri Lanka four for 60 when O'Keefe got injured, and it went all pear-shaped from there on. So he's, he's a unique spinner in Australia because he's a round-arm spinner. He's low, he's slow, he does get a little bit of turn, and from what I saw of Harath in, in Sri Lanka... On the subcontinent, that's the way you need to bowl. So he's, he's going to be a real handful for the Indian batsmen. And, and, and if he is, um, Australia are a real chance in India. Uh, Perth Scorchers about to kick off their innings against the Hobart Hurricanes. If you've just joined us, the Hurricanes batting first made 6 for 134. They're in trouble. They were 6 for 88 at one stage when Bo Webster departed after 14.3 overs. And... Clive Rose, the unlikely hero, 29 off 18, putting some respectability on the scoreboard. And Stuart Broad will open the bowling for Hobart. And Merv, as we work our way up to the top of the hour, on a lighter note, I'm led to believe that a good friend of this program, Tim Ludeman, has taken his first A-grade wicket today. Oh, God, love him. He's fantastic, Tim, isn't he? Every time you get hold of him, well, every time you ask him to come on board, you get hold of him. And um, he... We just see him as a, as a wicketkeeper, don't we? So um, it's it's unusual that uh, he is bowling. I, I would say the only reason he's bowling in club cricket is that he's captain of the side. Well, an inglorious way for Hobart <laughs> to well kick off their bowling performance. Uh, they've conceded a wide. Broad, not all that pleased with the state of affairs. Very quickly, well, it was Murph, a wide, it, Tristan. Sorry to jump in on you there, but it was a wide. But there was a sort of half appeal and. Mm. And there may have been a bit of a noise there, so whether the batsman hit the ground, but it was very wide. The batsman went after it, and everyone looked a little bit bemused. I think they actually thought he hit that ball. Lots to come at Stumps right around Australia. Big warm welcome to Stumps. Nice to have your company. Good evening to those of you joining us for the first time. Tristan Fernanda with you. Mervyn Hughes is along for the ride on a a day where there's a plethora of cricketing action. There's been a cricketing fest in the WBBL. That's going down to the wire. The Big Bash finals race heating up. We've got Test Cricket over in New Zealand with Bangladesh and New Zealand locking horns. And we've got the one day to look forward to. It was great to catch up with Shoah Malik earlier in the show, wasn't it, Merv? Yeah, Shalop Malik, even uh, Steve Waugh, to have a talk to him um, about the 30-year reunion. But, uh, yeah, the Pakistanis need this one in Sydney tomorrow, and I think conditions will suit them. A little bit more will be a, a dryish wicket, and they tend to play a little bit um, 
little bit better in those conditions and especially if they get lucky with a toss and win the toss, it's going to be uh, fairly tough for the Australians. But having said that, the Australians are, are in ripping form. Steve Smith was under a little bit of pressure, spoke of how we needed to bat longer and the thing that I love about Steve um, Smith is when he barks, he tends to bite. So he, he normally backs it up, and he certainly did that at the, the Wacker the other night. Yeah, and Darren Lehman also putting the writing on the wall. What do you think went awry for the Aussies as far as batting went? I reckon in Melbourne, just the conditions suited the Pakistanis a little bit better. Uh, dry conditions, um, they utilised their, their spin bowlers a little bit more, and Australia went in with, with um, five quicks. So I, I don't like to bag selectors, but on a dry wicket... Um, you'd think that we wouldn't go with five quicks and, and play a spinner. And they got Zampa in the squad for a reason, uh, to bowl in conditions that suit him. And I, I thought the MCG wicket would have suited him more than, than a medium pacer. But having said that, um, you know, they, they picked the team on what they feel is their best opportunity to win. And hindsight, as a selector, you can't delve in it. It's OK to think now... Um, do you see that catch by Rose then? A, a stunning catch by Clive Rose. We'll get <laughs> back to that, that in a moment. It's, uh, just finish but, that sentence, yeah, I, I just think that. Yeah, I, I just think the Pakistanis are, are a real chance. But of Buff Lehman um, and the Australian selectors, I just think that yeah, they missed a bit of a trick. They could have played Zampa on, in dry conditions that would have helped the Australians. But uh, as I said, they went with the, the five quicks and um, you know they got beaten. So... In Perth, it, it suited them, so it'll be interesting to see if Zampa plays tomorrow. Whiteman departs for nine after being caught and bowled by Rose. He's got the Midas touch today, 29 with the bat, and now a stunning catch, Merv, and who knows, that might just give them a little bit of a spark. Well, it, it has to give them a spark. Left arm around the wicket, got hit hard back, had the non-striker to contend with, got the ball cleanly in his right hand, and, gee, it was a, a ripping catch. So, you know, for, for the Hurricanes, um, that will give them hope, and certainly if there's any Renegade supporters uh, watching tonight, they'll be holding their heads thinking, oh, no, is, is this going to happen? But, um, you know, just get back on the big bash. Oh, my understanding is scorches and heat are pretty safe. If the Stars lose big tonight, they can drop out. The Renegades are, are in at the moment, but if the Hurricanes or the Sixers win, um, the, the Renegades can fall, uh, can fall out of uh, that top four. Speaking of the Renegades, a, a thrilling win up in Brisbane yesterday. Calamitous for the Brisbane Heat, given they'd worked so hard to get into their match, into the contest. Uh, Burns and Cutting really accelerating late in the piece. It was a relieved Aaron Finch who spoke to the media post-match. We're still in with a chance now. Obviously, we sit back and wait for some results tomorrow, but uh, you've got to be in it to win it. And, um, I mean, geez, it was a good game of cricket, though. <laughs> uh, the last, I think you said on the TV that you thought they had one left in the sheds? Or... Yeah, I thought they were eight down. I, I didn't even take into account that they were, they were nine down. So I was, um, I was telling the boys to get back. We're already over our time, and so I've got a warning now. Um, <laughs> Lucky it's my first one if, if we do manage to go through, but um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it all happened pretty quick to be honest. What was the message from Rimo? You obviously had a couple of chats him. What were, you, what were your instructions? Oh, just make sure he backs his skills 100%, make sure he's really clear with, with what he's trying to execute, and um, and yeah, he, he, he did a pretty good job, I thought. And tomorrow night, do you watch the games together? What do are, what are the boys do? Yeah, I think we'll probably sit around, have a beer and, and a feed, and, and watch the game and um, enjoy it as much as we can. and. I mean, Barry for the stars, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever said that before? <laughs> yeah, you always want to see your mates do well, and uh, regardless of who they're playing for. So, um, even more so tomorrow night. Well, that was Aaron Finch after the thrilling win of the Renegades up in Brisbane. It's a rarity that a, a Renegades man would be going for the stars, despite the fact that there are numerous friendships. We'll get to uh, more on Aaron Finch and the Renegades a little later on because we have to head to the MCG now, Merv. The stars getting yes. set to host the Sixers and a very special guest has been good enough to join us. I speak of the injured Duke, John Hastings, a good friend of the program. Hastings, a warm welcome to you and thanks for your time. G'day, guys. How are we? Mate, going really well. What's the the atmosphere like there? KB's, uh, KP has come out swinging today, just uh, <laughs> ruining the fact that you're missing all your international guys, but I suppose it speaks yeah. volumes about the program that you've got going at the Stars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a nice crowd building. It's a beautiful afternoon, so um, hopefully we get a nice big crowd. But yeah, as you said, KP sort of 
wasn't too happy with Cricket Australia and a few of his comments, but I can see where he's coming from. But you know, from a person who's played for Australia before, I think there's no better feeling than representing your country. So that still is number one priority. But in a perfect world, we'd all love to be able to play both, but um, we know that's not the case. So, um, But yeah, you can just show that he's passionate, um, that he cares, I guess. Well, well, Johnny, that rules out my first question because I was going to ask if KB's uh, questioning was the view of the whole team um, and, and you've just answered that question. But huge game for you guys tonight and given the fact that you know, a lot of listeners would would probably realise that you've got six of, of your frontline team out with Faulkner, Maxwell, Zampa, Hanscom, Stoinis with the Australian team and a new sideline. Um, mm. Huge game and, and a home final um, at yeah. play tonight. Oh, it's massive move. It's, it's going to be huge tonight. The boys, you can just tell. I've just been in the rooms and um, a few of them had a hit. You know, there's a, just a little bit of a nervous tension around the rooms, but, um, you know, our boys trained pretty strongly yesterday. And um, as you said, we've, we've been struck down by a couple of injuries and obviously uh, Australian selection, but I think it does speak volumes for our depth. Um, you know, our guys have done a great job. Our list management, Trent Woodhill, Damien Fleming, Steve Fleming, these guys have done a great job to, to get some depth because we do have a, a squad that's probably always going to be well represented at national level. So um, I think they've done a really good job, but it's going to be a huge one tonight. We've sort of got one eye on the game down in Hobart as well. <clears throat> oh, without doubt, I think everyone has. So, so have the Renegades, to be honest. But yeah. um, six guys out of your team, as we've just said, and it's important for the the... the I was going to say senior players, but the more experienced players to stand up, and you expect that of KP. But uh, Benny Hilfenhaus still delivering uh, with the ball. Um, he had a bit of a hiccup, I suppose, against the Thunder, but uh, then bounced back with the bat. So you, you need those senior players leading the way when when you've got a few outs. Absolutely, we need KP to have a blinder tonight, as as do we, you know, Lukey Wright. And you know, I think our two keys for the ball, and, and as you mentioned, Hilfie and Bolo in the quicks got Michael Beer as well so you know, these guys have played for their countries before you know, obviously the two English boys and um, you know, Scotty Hilf and Beer have played a lot of cricket for Australia as well so we've still got a lot of experience there, you throw Dave Hussey in as well and you know, there, there is a lot of experience there but we need those key members of the squad to show some leadership tonight and really stand up and I think they will do that, they've been pretty good around the group the last few days so I'm excited, I'm looking forward to it well, when I say that, I suppose you have a look at the team and the stars, uh, and I suppose to, to get anywhere, no side can rely on, on one or two players. And I suppose over the years it seemed that you relied on KP. If he got away, and he, he's such a dominating player that if he does get away and, and scores and scores heavily, he's going to score quickly and he gets you in the box seat. But um, it, it just seems that this competition is, is so even and you guys have a spread of talent and you don't rely on any one player to get you across the line. Would that be a fair call? I reckon you're spot on there, Merv. I've, you know, I think in the past we've probably been a little bit guilty of leaving it to someone else to do in, in KP or Luke right at the top of the order and, and when we had Cameron there as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Any, there's been a few you know, blokes jump out of the, of the woodwork. I mean, Benny McDermott's knock was unbelievable. Um, you know, so we're unearthing some new talent as well, but... From our point of view, it's been nice to see Bobby Quiney get up the order and, and give him a whack, one of the, the greatest blokes in, in cricket. Um, so, yeah, I think it is. You know, it, it's, it's massively important that we, we get those other guys to contribute as well. Hey, so a couple quick ones before we let you go. We do thank you for your time. You were almost the pioneers, the stars, in winning the toss and bowling first. What's the wicket looking like at the G, and what do you think uh, Dave will do if you do win the toss? Yeah, it's a new wicket. Um, I it's not the same one that we played on the other night, thank goodness, because it was a little bit slow and a bit tired in the one-day international. But um, So I think this will suit us pop, um, better towards our game plan. Uh, if we win the toss, I'd probably suggest we bowl again and then you know chase down the total. If, you know, if there's a chance that we can still get top position or a home final, then we've sort of got that under control. Um, so that's probably what we'll do, I reckon, if we win the toss. I reckon the Renegades boys will be shouting you a few drinks if you do get over the line. Uh, on, a, <laughs> on an important note, how's your rehab coming along? Because we do look forward to seeing you back sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah, Tristan, it's going well, mate. It's um, it, you know, it's probably not as bad as first thought, which is good. Um, sometimes when they get in there and open up and, and get in there and have a look, it's not as bad as what the scan suggests. Um, so that's a positive. I've just been sort of back in the gym and strengthening uh, my knee up and my patella tendon, so... 
I'm hope, hopefully going to have a bowl in about four weeks and then um, build it up and try and play some county cricket, which Cricket Australia are going to let me go over and play for Worcester, which is which is good. And um, they've got a one-day block before the Champions Trophy uh, in May. So um, be playing a few few games for Worcester next year, which will be exciting. I like the county cricket, but it also gives me a good sort of sounding block to, to hit the ground running and try and get back into that one-day international side for the Champions Trophy. Yeah, and a great launching pad into the 17-18 summer of cricket. On one hand, Haysto, we say thanks for your time. It's always good to catch up. On the other, it's disappointing we're talking to you because it means you're not uh, in action for the Stars. Wish you and the boys all the very best. Thank you once again for your time. Thanks, boys. Cheers. John Hastings. Cheers, Johnny. Thank you. And... Uh, He's one of the good guys at cricket, Merv. Uh, we'd dearly love to see him out there, but he's had a bit of a wretched run with injury. He has had a wretched run with injury, and it's interesting to see that he's going over to Worcester, and it's amazing now that the selectors take in all forms of cricket. And I think uh, Sean Marsh many years ago got picked off the back of what he was doing in the IPL, and um, for the Australian selectors to, to have Johnny Hastings doing a, a fit, fitness test playing one-day cricket for, for Worcester, I think he said, I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, and, and it gives him a chance, gives him a bit of hope. So it gets him back into the game quicker. So hopefully it all goes well for him. Um, he takes a few wickets. The Australians take notice of it because he's a very, very handy player. And he did mention there Robbie Quiney. Uh, good to see him back in the star side, bat, batting up the order, getting a few runs. And I tell you what, Robbie Quiney, if he was at any club in Australia, he would be the best clubman every year. He is just phenomenal with the way he gets around to the boys, and um, it's good to see him doing well. As good a bloke, and it's hard to say this, as Johnny Hastings is, <laughs> I reckon Robbie Quiney may be just a little bit better. He's got him covered, you reckon, Merv? I... Oh, yeah, but Johnny Hastings is a ripping bloke, isn't he? He certainly is, Merv, and I can't for the life of me, as I've said previously on the show, I'm an enthusiastic fan of cricket. You've been in the inner sanctum, you've played at the highest level. Can you explain to me how he missed out on selection in the one-day squad to start with? Um, yeah, pr- probably they just have a look at the, the side, and when you've got blokes like Pat Cummings coming into it, um, you've got Hazelwood, and uh, where are we looking back to, that South African tour? Yep. Was that was that the one you're talking about yeah, he missed well, out on? Or? Well, the South Africa tour was the turning yes. point. He'd had such a great record in short-form cricket. In fact, the calendar year, I reckon his numbers still stood up. And, and despite the fact Australia copped a flogging and we'll try to get things back on track, he seemed the surprise omission in my book. Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I suppose if you've got blokes... Um, out injured and it opens the door for Johnny Hastings and Johnny Hastings um, would be up there that I reckon if he was fit they would still talk about him playing at, at test level because he does a fantastic job he just runs in um, he puts pressure on the batsman he, he's tall he's about six foot six he's over the top he hits a deck hard he bowls a little bit quicker than everyone thinks he does um, so he, he's a useful bowler in all forms of the game his variety makes him such um, a quality player in the limited overs, so 20, 20 and 50 overs. And his height and strength gives him the ability to play test cricket. So he's a, he's a big man. Uh, there's a, a fair bit of weight going through that front leg of his and the patilla tendon's given way. But where, where you say surprise, I, I suppose you look at the team and you just say, well, who, who's he going to replace? Yep. So if he's not disappointed, someone else is going to be disappointed. And, you know, probably of Johnny Hastings, as you say, because we're attached to him, because he's so good with his time, because he jumps on the show, we're a little bit biased. And I'd love to see Johnny Hastings back in the Australian team. And hopefully he gets there for the Champions Trophy. But if that is to happen... Who do you leave out? And that, that's a question you've always got to ask. Perth Scorchers in action against the Hobart Hurricanes. If you haven't caught up to speed, the Hurricanes finished their 20 overs at 6 for 134. In reply, the Scorchers 1 for 35, needing 100 runs to win from 93 deliveries. And Merv, we're off to a break. On the other side of it, we're going to talk to a man who's had a great deal to do with WA cricket, a man who played test cricket by the name of Wayne Clark. He'll join us next as we wind up here on Stumps. Listening to Stumps. Perth Scorchers in full flight as Marsh goes bang, bang. First to four, now a six over mid wicket. He makes his way up to 21. The Scorchers, one for 46, chasing 134, and he looks in pretty good Nick Merv. Well, it's the usual suspects for the Scorchers, isn't it? It's, it's Marsh hitting him, Klinger at the other end, and in, interesting one there just came up on, on the TV screen. If the Hurricanes can restrict 
uh, the Scorchers to 106, um, then they'll move to fourth on, on the table. But 5.5 overs, uh, one for 46, might be two for 46. There's an appeal for a stumping. I think Sean Marsh got back, but um, it's a tough ask. Well, joining us now, a man who's really passionate about WA cricket. He uh, guided the West Australian stateside to Pura Cup championships, to one-day domestic titles, and he's seen this uh, franchise thrive. He's played test cricket for Australia back in the 70s and 80s, and it's great to welcome Wayne Clark to Stumps. Good evening to you, Wayne, and thanks for your time. Yeah, good evening, Tristan. No worries. Thanks yeah, very much. I think Marsh has uh, got his foot not back out. in the nick of time. It is not out. So one for 46. What do you make about uh, make of the Scorchers' campaign to date and also the success of the franchise because you, you sell out over at the Wacker game in, game out? Yeah, look, it's been a great story, hasn't it? I mean, this year I think there was a little bit of doubt because there were a number of bowlers that were out long-term with injuries. You know, Berendorf for one and Coulter-Nile and um, young Paris. They were ones that were walk-up starts, really. And there was this thought, well, will the bowlers be able to do what they've done over the previous years? But everyone stepped up again. I mean, it, it's it's a very, very well-run program by Justin Langer. And the thing that sets it apart from a lot of other states is that he's been very conscious of keeping his group together and picking West Australians. And, and if, he, if an overseas player comes in, they've got to be prepared to take on the program because the program that's in place is continued through the big bash now. A lot of other franchises, you know, just, yeah, it's totally different. So that culture is maintained and, uh, yeah, it's proven very successful for a number of years. Well, the other thing too, Wayne, Mervyn Hughes here, is that yeah, uh, Voge has missed a couple of games with an injury. Mitch Marsh is out injured at the moment, but having said that, he probably would be in the Australian team, so you're going to miss him anyway. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have any... Um, official role with, with the WA team now. As was said, that you've coached, you've been involved as a bowling coach. Have you got any official role now with the team? I, I am a selector, um, and I, but that's mainly just for the um, the Warriors in the one day yeah. and the Steel game. I don't have anything to do with the Scorchers franchise. So, yeah, but okay. I'm still involved as a selector. Yeah, with, with that, do, do the bowlers seeing you around the place. Do the bowlers still come to you for advice, not just bowling at the Wacker, you were so good bowling there, but all around Australia. As, as a selector, do you feel that you can give input that way and do the players utilise your knowledge? Um, I'd, I'd still, I'm still involved in a little bit of the grade cricket and getting around with some of the younger guys, but Adam Griffiths is the bowling coach, so I generally just stay out of the way from that sort of thing. Okay. I, I, I just sort of just try and keep my role as the selector separate from that but it, I'm sure you know we, we get chat with different blokes and if they've got any problems yeah you, you, you have a little bit of an input whenever it's required and Wayne with that um, we, we hear your voice uh, in the media um, and the, the one day game there yesterday it was a great win by the Aussies Steve Smith was fantastic but gee the, the Pakistanis would be kicking themselves with those chances of, of Hanscom early in that innings Oh, yeah, look, you know, it was an interesting innings from Hanscom, wasn't it? I mean, he just looked all out of sorts. But he, the thing that I've admired about him, Merv, and you would have seen a lot more of him than I have, is that he has the ability to, to concentrate and put things apart, away from his mind. If he's batting, you know, poorly, he just digs in even more. And, yeah, we see a lot of players, they play and miss, they get, you know, upset about it. He seems just to have great mental strength and... He, he just hung around. It, it wouldn't be one of his highlight highlight reels. I wouldn't have thought that innings, but he ended up getting 84, and it was uh, you know the the, the one with um, um, Steve Smith that set up the whole game. Well, as you say, he's got a great temperament, has he? And I, I think a lot of players, and it's a good lesson to all the the young young kids, young cricketers listening to the, the program, is that it doesn't matter how you look, you just got to hang in there. And if you hang in there for long enough, you reap the rewards. Now, that that first fourteen twenty runs of, of Hanscoms, you'd sit there and you say, mate, he would never want to watch that back. But mm. the last mm. last fifty or sixty, I reckon he'd want to watch that back every day of the week. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, and. Young Renshaw is very similar. I mean, we've seen him. He came in a lot of criticism in the different times of the Test match for being too slow or playing and missing, and he doesn't look good. Yeah, they just forget about it. And that, I think, is a really good sign for Australian cricket, the mental strength that is required to, to, to really perform. I think some of these young kids have shown it in spades. 
Wayne Clark joining us from Perth. One player who hasn't escaped criticism, Wayne, is Mitch Marsh. Do you think it's warranted? Yep. And how can he turn uh, turn the corner with his career? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, it there's a lot of pressure that we're hanging out for that um, number six uh, bowling or batting all rounder. But Mitch has had plenty of chances, hasn't he? And and I yep. suppose that's where people start to think, you know, look, how many how many times can you have a go? But there's no one else putting the hand up. I mean, you guys have got Stoinis over there that at the beginning of the season, I would have thought he was a big chance for that. But he did make runs in field cricket. And that's really what you've got to do. I mean, you've got to put your name out there and make it difficult for the selectors to, you know, not notice you. And, and unfortunately, there's no other uh, all-rounder that's really putting the hand up to want to take that spot. Yeah, really well said, Wayne. Time flies when you're having fun. We've got to let you go. We are grateful for your time and enjoy the rest of what looks like a, a Scorchers victory down in Hobart. Thanks very much, guys. Anytime. Wayne Clark joining us Thanks for a chat about sorry, the... Sorry to interrupt his viewing of the game. Obviously, he'd be watching it. <laughs> he, he is indeed, Merv. So we do thank him for his time. Um, Merv, we have to wrap up. It looks like the Scorchers will get over the line relatively com- uh, comfortably. What happens in the game between the Stars and the Sixers? Well, I'm probably a little bit biased because I want to see the Renegades make it, but it'll be a good game. Um, you can't write the, the, the Sixers off, but you certainly hope the, the Stars. And it was interesting what Wayne just said about um, Mitch Marsh there. There's no one else putting a hand up. Combined with that is the time that the Australian selectors have invested in Mitch Marsh. And I reckon when you've invested that much time, you hang on to that bloke. Obviously, he's got the talent. He's bowling well. He's just got to turn it around with the bat. And we certainly know he's got the talent to do that. But, uh, okay, what happens here? Get back to the big bash. Scorchers win. Stars win. Renegades in the final. Beat Stars at the MCG. Go through to the final and win comfortably. And with 30 seconds left, Merv, Australia-Pakistan tomorrow. Who wins and why? Um, I tell you what, if Pakistan win the toss and bat first, they're a real chance. Um, so I reckon it just comes down to the toss. Whoever wins the toss bats first, and um, I reckon they will win the game. Merv, great pleasure as always to work alongside you. Enjoy this game. Enjoy a fantastic night of cricket that awaits. Okay, Tristan, thank you. And to all our listeners, catch you next week. One for 61, the Scorchers chasing 134 for victory. The Stars and the Sixers and Australia and Pakistan. It's a cricket smorgasbord. Have a great weekend. We'll catch up with you again next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.